Hi everyone and welcome to Paratalk, joined by Jason Cordova and we're going to speak about UFOs, ghosts, the paranormal, I think you name it, uh, we're going to cover it. So without further ado, let me uh, bring in Jason and we'll get this show on the road. Hi Jason. Hello, good to be here. Uh, it's a bright sunny day. Well yeah, uh, we had a little bit of sunshine, it's been quite nice over here, uh, but uh, I think the the rain is slowly sort of uh, encroaching back, so uh, I don't know whether the the british summertime is over or not but well hey ho that's that's the way it goes uh i'm glad you're i'm glad you're still getting some sunshine though it does have a good thing good a good impact on the the mental well-being i think it does and every moment of it is fleeting i'm in uh tartu estonia so um we're a little farther north than you and a yeah. little farther east so uh very finicky weather yeah very very different than what i'm used to yeah, it's a, it's a shame that it just we can't be guaranteed sort of you're going to have sunshine from this point to that point. I mean, my 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 whole co my whole co-host and friend used to live in LA and uh, he had sunshine all the time. It was just sunny all the time. And you you know you come over here and you thought, oh, where's the sun gone? But it is what it is. Uh, now I know you've had a lot of experiences in in different things with UFOs and ghosts and the paranormal. But what I was going to ask you was, where did all that begin? Was it something that spurred in your childhood what was the catalyst there so i grew up i was born and raised in denver colorado in the united states my family on my dad's side is native american and mexican uh descent we we go back uh many many generations in the area it carries over a certain cultural familiarity and just acceptance of things that in the west is regarded as paranormal or supernatural in those cultures, there is no such thing as paranormal or supernatural. It is all part of the universe. And so therefore, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my dad, uh, all kind of instilled this proclivity, you could say, in me for a curiosity and familiarity with it. Now that my mom's side is very much Anglo-American, descended from German and British. Uh, she's from, she and her family are from Ohio, which is in the the Midwest of the United States, um, almost stereotypical American to, to what most people might imagine. And their views are very, you know, more mechanistic and everything is... Uh, categorized and cataloged and documented and very nuts and bolts kind of mindset, right? Yeah. Uh, now, I was raised by both my parents with both of this kind of overlapping mentality and for the most part raised more uh, acculturated into the American mindset, but with this uh, background moving forward. So to answer that question, um, there was no necessarily catalyst event. However, once I started to actually have experiences that pushed me into this, towards the field of trying to really understand it. When you had your, uh, your first experience, what, what was that? Was it a, uh, something you saw or something you felt? What was your first sort of the main experience where that kind of sent you on the road to to discovery, so to speak. So when I was about 10 years old, uh, we were living in the mountains of Colorado in the Roaring Fork Valley in kind of a rural area. 
and uh, I had a neighbor over spending the night. And we were having a lot of fun kind of keeping my parents up, much to their annoyance. Uh, we were just in the front room, just talking, laughing, joking. Uh, my dad had come out multiple times and asked us to please be quiet. He had, a, had been worked all day and he, he needed to rest. So we decided to shift our attention towards looking out uh, this big picture window that overlooked the river and a field and kind of a range of mountains in the distance. Within minutes, we observe a small amber-colored light appear over the field and slowly float and zigzag. Now, we were both interested in aviation and recognized immediately that this craft couldn't be an airplane because it was going too slow and it only had one light and it was the wrong color. Soon it turned towards us and altered its course and came towards us, crossed the river, and I remember distinctly being able to see the reflection on the water of the river as it crossed and paused right in front of the window. It looked like a glass or clear sphere with the single amber-colored light emanating out of the center. Uh, and I was completely astonished. I ran into my parents' room and told them what was going on, and my dad uh, wasn't having it. He was too tired. And just go, please go to, just let me sleep. Yeah. Like, okay. Came back uh, just in time to see it zip off up the up the river, and my friend glued to the window, mouth open, just complete astonishment, frozen. Um, and we barely said a word to each other. We decided that was enough. We saw everything that we were going to see for the night and then decided to go to sleep. In the morning, he left, and we never spoke of the event again. At this point, my dad was more uh, willing to entertain the situation, and he asked me a bunch of questions about what I saw and actually entered into a kind of an investigation of my sighting. You know, he asked me a lot of questions about it, and we together uh, tried to eliminate the mundane uh, possible explanations for it. Mm -hmm. You know, was it a, uh, could it have been uh, uh, headlights from a car a across the way, or maybe a hunter or somebody walking with a flashlight or something, um, casting the light into the window, you know, with these these kinds of things. We even went so far as to try to recreate um, what I saw, and we weren't able to do it. So uh, it was left unexplained. And uh, that that kind of set the stage for me, in a way, to be uh, a function in a, in a kind of a skeptical believer mindset when it comes to these sorts of things. After your... Um your sort of your first sighting you saw this object did you have any um other experiences after you saw this object do you have any other experiences around that time whether it be i don't know sleepwalking or anything like that i think that i saw or experienced or encountered some sorts of activity in the woods so as i mentioned before there was um 
you know, our little apartment building yeah. was in, in the, the rural area, forest area between a highway and a river. And I spent most of my days, especially in the summertime, playing in, in the, in the forest in the back. And, um, one time I recalled coming across a clearing. Um, it looked like something had come through and plowed through, uh, all of the vegetation. Um, and I spent a lot of time here. So I recognize, you know, uh, I go around this tree and, and this rock is here and so forth. I, I knew it all very well, but this was like something, something new. This was unique. Um, and the moment I stepped into this clearing, I heard a very loud, high pitched sound. It was a combination of sounds, really. It sounded like a low guttural roar combined with the high pitched scream totally shook me. It terrified me and caused me to run away. Went back to my house. I didn't go back until the next day. The next day, the clearing was no longer there. And I never heard or saw anything uh, like that again. The reason I asked the question is because sometimes when people have experiences, when they see something in the sky, not always, but sometimes afterwards, they'll have other experiences that maybe or may not be connected to their you know their previous sighting or uh, whatever they experienced so i was just wondering whether you there were any parallels there with you and it seems that maybe there there possibly was do you think that there was were there other people that sort seen this object at the around the time or was it just just you and uh, a small number of people uh so the, going back to the the light. Um, I had, uh, I have spoken to a friend of mine actually who lives in different part of the mountains. Uh, he said that he saw, he saw lights dancing around in the field. Um, my dad also, um, he had his own experiences. Um, he also spoke to, um, uh, some people who had seen some similar things. So yes, there were other people who saw similar objects and other very unique, strange kinds of objects. Um, and also encountering kind of strange things. Um, I personally believe that the area is naturally inclined to at least harbor or attract some, some of these kinds of phenomena. And we can get into a little later about what I actually think the true nature of it may be. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that because uh, I always, I'm always keen to hear people's thoughts on what actually they you know, might be going on. So moving on a little bit, um, you, you, you've had your UFO sighting. Uh, have you ever experienced anything else outside of UFOs? Maybe, I don't know, paranormal, something a bit weird, anything like that? Well, yes. So that, uh, that strange sound and clearing in the woods that I encountered. Um, I don't think that was directly connected to anything UFO. Um, I think that may have been some kind of cryptid creature um, that I interrupted its path. That was my thought at the time. Um, other things definitely experienced some more ghostly, more paranormal sorts of things. I have been a paranormal investigator for almost 20 years formally researching and investigating and collecting and documenting um so there's quite a 
I would say, a girth of information to draw from. If you have some more maybe specific question, I'd be happy to delve into those. Oh, I have many, Jason. I have many questions. Then, yes, <laughs> uh, we could do a whole episode on each one of them. Well, so, what I was going to ask you with your, uh, I, I, you know, I, I know you've mentioned that you've done a little, you know, you've done your, your paranormal and stuff. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on hauntings and buildings and whether there's a connection with the building or a connection with the land where people you know you you build a you build a place it has a lot of history uh maybe 500 years or a thousand years of history people go into that place they have an experience whether it be a an audible experience or a, a physically a visual experience or a physical experience and that building might one day burn down and they might build a block of flats there and those experiences continue people still continue do what do you think there's a connection with with our you know, at the properties, or do you think it's a connection with the land? Sure. That's an interesting question. Uh, so the, the general, the, the general consensus, uh, among most paranormal investigators is that, uh, you have two types of hauntings. One is a stone recording and the other is an intelligent haunting. The stone recording being that some kind of event or just energetic signature, right? The, the repeated activities sorts of things are somehow imprinted on the area. And that could be the structure. That could be the land itself or something about the environment around it that uh, actually records the energy of an event and stores it in that place. While the other category being an intelligent haunting, being some sort of um, intelligent being, uh, an essence of a creature that is able to interact. Um, so I think that the simple answer to the question is yes, uh, but it's always um, often multiple sources of that phenomenon. Uh, one of my favorite things is EVP. I've studied EVP for many years and I had success with EVP and it the first time I had results with doing my EVP it scared me because the voices I captured sounded like they were in the room with me and they were clear as day and they were speaking directly to me and uh, you know answering my questions giving me answers were they present did you hear them no while no you no were it present? wasn't it was recorded pre-recorded so I right. I I got into EVP through uh, just having an interest in the paranormal and I thought I wanted to do something I wanted to do research so I was lucky enough I worked in the music industry for 13 years I had a studio and I thought well what better way to do EVP than use all this very expensive equipment because everybody says oh you never get anything on good equipment it's always the the cheaper stuff that you tend to get stuff on uh, true to a certain extent but you do capture um, an audio phenomenon on expensive equipment because I've done it this is back in the analog days. It was, it was, it was before, before the digital revolution. I recorded some stuff. I, I had a white noise generator, microphone, usual stuff, plug it in, ask your questions, unplug the mic, let it record for a couple of minutes, just white noise, and, and then do a playback and see what you hear. I did that for like a number of months, and I got no response. I, it was just, I, I heard stuff, but it was all like really at the bottom of the sound floor. It was not, I couldn't really tell what it was. Uh, and then one evening... I had a friend come in, a friend of mine who worked with me, and he was a bit of a non-believer. We had a bit of a giggle. We had a couple of beers and just, you know, 
a bit of a lively evening and we did some recording as a bit of a goof around and because uh, he wanted to give it a go and that is the evening that I got a response which was I asked if anybody would like to speak to us and a few seconds later maybe 20-30 seconds there was a static pop and click I heard a um, a, a female voice say yes and then uh, maybe another 20 or 30 seconds after that I heard a man's voice uh, say please reply and and I heard that I had it recorded and my friend heard it and that really sort of scared me because I wasn't expecting to get and it was just like they were speaking into the microphone but the microphone was not connected it was disconnected um, and that kind of scared me a little bit I after that for six months I didn't do any recording I didn't do anything I just packed it all away yeah. I thought I'm not doing this this is just this is real whatever happened happened now I I I personally think that if when you go into a building, right, when you, I, I love old buildings. I love old castles. I love old manor houses. I, I don't so much, you know, I, 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 I might not be a fan of the people that used to live there and what they did, but I love the, the history of them and, and how layers of history and generations of generations of people lived in those buildings and in some way emotionally imprinted on those buildings. We all live in property. Anything we have, a watch, a necklace, we emotionally print on it. It becomes part of who we are. We wear it every day. It becomes part of us. We live in a house. We do everything in our house or home or we go to work or whatever. We walk down a certain road. We're in whatever we're doing, we're imprinting on the environment in some way. And with these old houses, I do believe that there are certain people, individuals with who are like catalysts. They're like switches. We can go into a building. I can walk into a building and have an experience. I might see, I don't know, a Florence Nightingale or an, a lady walk through the wall or or it used to live there before. And it's maybe not a ghost. It may be just a, you know, a playback. Uh, like, as you say, the stone tape. It might be a playback. And, and it might not actually be there. It might be my, I might be seeing it in my mind. But to me, it's real. Um, another person can go in and see the same thing. Or a group of people can go in and see the same thing. But I think there's a connection there with the living and the dead, where there's a like a trigger, a switch. But I always find that you tend to have the most uh, success when everybody's in a good, positive, like-minded manner, where if everybody goes in and goes, oh, it's not going to work, then the likelihood is that nothing will work. But if you go in and think, this is, we're going we're gonna to hopefully see something, I'm excited, and everybody's jovial and not not mental, but you know, happy. Uh, and you might have an experience, and it and it whatever it might be. So I, I'm wondering, with these, you know, with old buildings and that, there is. Some, I mean, some people say uh, it's you know, in the old days they built differently with big stone buildings, lots of quartz in them, in the rock, in the stone, and that that quartz in some way works like a tape recorder, and it, it like it records. And under certain conditions, with if there's a thunderstorm or as the, the the atmosphere is electrically charged, and it can dissipate that recording, and you know you can see the event or hear the event. You had that in Kenfig in the Prince of Wales pub in Kenfig with the Talking Walls experiment, where two engineers, one electrician and the, I think it was a, the other guy was a chemist. I'm not sure, but they did an experiment and they charged the walls with forty thousand volts of electricity, solid walls, and they had sounds. They recorded sounds from wherever from from long time ago. Uh, so yeah, I, I do think that there's a connection there. But what I was going to ask you was, with ghosts, with the paranormal, what 
what do you think's actually going on? Do you do you think that we, you know, we, when we expire, we go on to something else and we come back and go, oh, I'm a ghost now, I can do whatever I want? Or do you think it's a little bit more uh, complicated than that? Oh, I definitely suspect it's much more complicated, much more complicated and, and fantastical than anything that we can really comprehend or imagine. I think um, as human beings, we are severely limited um, with our imagination as well as our our capacity for understanding and even less so with our ability to measure it. That said, you know, my, my personal belief and my hope is that we do live on in some way, one way or another, either energetically or consciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, how exactly the mechanism uh, that facilitate that uh, work is something that I've been uh, earnestly trying to figure out. Yeah, I, I do think that, that some something happens. I, I do think that we, in some way, uh, some part of us may, may continue. And I've had two, two experiences of that. One, once when my mum died, um, she, I, I swear I heard her in her, her bedroom moving around. And, sure. and I, to the point where I had to go into the room and investigate because it sounded like someone was in there moving around and, you know, opening and closing cupboard doors and stuff like that. Uh, and I went into the room and the, the, the room was just in darkness and obviously she had died, so it was an empty room. Uh, and the second time was uh, when my father died. The morning that he died, uh, it was about half past six in the morning I got a phone call to say he'd passed. Um, and uh, I... I was sat on my bed in the morning about three hours later thinking oh all these things I need to do I need to go and you know start sorting stuff um and I clearly heard him call my name from above me behind me and it was as if he was in the room and I was completely I was wide awake I was I I wasn't uh I wasn't asleep or anything I was wide awake sat on my bed just not thinking about my dad just thinking about I need to do these things and uh, I heard him call my name like Reeves and it's as as if it was like, wow, I'm still alive. That sort of expression, you know, in his voice. Uh, and that was weird. Uh, for a moment, I was like, am I going? Am I going crazy? What did I just hear? But yeah, so I, I do think that there's a possibility that in some way, whether what as you say, what, what that might be, I don't know. I liken it to possibly uh, more of a, a dream state where you are conscious. And everything around you is a dream, but it, you know when you have a dream and it, the dream is kind of mixed up, and you have to focus on a certain point, and then that certain point will manifest into something you want it to be. Kind of that thing. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've I've never been dead before, so I don't know. But you know what I mean. Um, so moving on a, a little bit, just a, a little bit, because I want to save the good stuff. I mean, I want to get onto the UFOs a little bit near the end because I know you've got a lot to talk about that. But I wanted to ask you. When you had your um, paranormal ex- experiences, did it did it change you in any way? Uh, yes. Yeah, I would say so. Kind of similar to you with your with your first uh, EVP. Uh, something about it really taps into something deep within you, right? Yeah. You have this interest. You have this fascination. You're going out looking for it, and it's almost like you forget sometimes that what you're actually doing and and you forget the possibility of 
actually experiencing it and encountering it. And I would say that every time it does, it taps into something deep, right? Yeah. Spend so much time looking through, sorting through all, you know, hours and hours of just film in the darkness and dust flying around. And then all of a sudden there is something unquestionably there that that really rattles you, right? Yeah. Um, I had a similar that that um, on the topic of EVPs, um, uh, I helped to co-found you know, a student organization at the university, uh, at the Metropolitan State University of Denver. Um, we had a paranormal investigation in in our student union. It's an old building. the The building was a brewery, a nineteenth century brewery. A lot of a lot of stuff had gone down there, and there's a section that we refer to as the catacomb, kind of in the basement. They used to cool and store the beer there, um, and we had heard lots of ghost stories there. So we set up a remote station right? for the listeners yeah. who aren't familiar with a remote station. It's very simply uh, a set of equipment: camera, motion sensing camera, um, audio, uh, and um, I think we had. Um, if I remember correctly, we we probably had a K two meter, an EVP de- or a electromagnetic field detector, in with everything, um, and we just set it up and left it alone for a number of hours. We came back, collected everything, went through it, and the video camera was on battery power. Uh, the video camera turned off. It was a fully charged battery battery drained out completely turned the video camera off the motion sensing camera did not set off but the audio picked up a series of sounds sounded like someone rustling papers and giggling and a sigh sounded like a little girl uh and very playful kind of energy and then it all stopped there was some whispering in the background it all stopped, and then the video camera turned back on, fully charged, and recorded the rest of the session. Wow. And that still, every time I hear it, it still grabs me. Yeah, that's uh, a little bit unsettling. That's uh, having, having. I mean, have you been in a, talking about unsettling stuff, what's the most, uh, say you've been on an investigation, and you feel that things aren't kind of right. Have you ever been really kind of like in a situation where you've been really scared because you think uh, you're not sure what's going on and you just think, oh, I need to leave now? Not on an investigation. Um, just kind of um, exploring around. Um, it, interestingly enough, um, a lot of the investigation feel, for lack of a better term, dead. Yeah. Uh, we go in, we set up the equipment, and you know nothing's there. We interview witnesses, and uh, also another side tangent: many of, uh, say, the poltergeist calls that we got ended up being people who were recklessly practicing black magic and occult sorts of things, and 
led to us thinking they're probably bringing something upon themselves. So we assisted them in trying to contain that and, and put it away and, and drive that in a different direction. Most of the uh, actual investigations, though, are um, pretty, feel calm, feel pleasant, feel nice in, in a weird way. Um, so, so it implies that whatever was going on there is gone. Yeah. Um, or, or after something different, maybe, I guess that's, uh, sorry to be vague, but I have a specific idea in mind that maybe I'll, we'll go into, but I want to answer your question specifically. The, the only times though, that I've ever felt really rattled and scared and like, this isn't right. I need to go. Um, were, were times when I was just out and about doing my thing, uh, either, you know, putting, putting something away in the shed and the wind blows the door closed. And I was certain that there was someone in the shed with me and then not. Well, that's a bit creepy. Feeling like someone's there, but you can't. Yeah, that's a bit. Uh, I've 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 had it. Um, I've had that experience walking home. I live on the coast and near the seaside, and we have a obviously we have a coastal road which runs the whole perimeter of where I live. And um, part of uh, that perimeter, there's a road called the toll road, and it literally cuts through the wood. We have a large wooded area here, uh, so you're walking. Uh, down a road which is basically woodland in the you know either side of you and then you have a uh, a cliff de- cliff edge uh, and then you have the sea so it's you can't really go anywhere and I remember walking down there as a shortcut uh, I was I was at one end and I thought oh I'd been out with friends and I thought oh I'll, I'll do the shortcut home rather than walk the long way you know, all the way around the outside I'll, I'll just go straight through sure. and I remember walking down there once and I had the feeling that someone was following me. I couldn't see anything because it was pitch black and I had a little torch with me, like a little pen light. Um, I couldn't hear anything, but I had that feeling that someone... I know that could be, that could be my, you know, internal ancient mechanism from olden days making me hyper aware. Could be that. Or it could be. I mean, those woods are an ancient woodland. We had the Romans up there. We had everything up there. You know, the Romans had an encampment up there. Uh, so, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe I was being hunted by ghost Romans. I don't know. But um, I know that I know that feeling you're on about, that kind of, that feeling of something. And you, you and the most scary thing is you can't, you can't see it. You can't, well, for me, I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. So, yeah, I, I was going to say that, uh, that, talking about that, though, I want to quickly skip on a little bit. What's your thoughts on um, the poltergeist phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. So specifically, um, my, my understanding of poltergeist phenomenon tends to focus around adolescent. Yeah. Uh, and their, their overt psychic activity, either something about adolescence in a human being either attracts or interacts with some kind of 
psychoreactive phenomenon in the environment or that it is some kind of latent psychic abilities that is uncontrolled and manifesting in the environment around that individual. I, I do think that there is enough, there's enough cases that we can classify in that poltergeist realm to, to kind of safely look at that in that regard. I think a lot of people flippantly use poltergeist to refer to any kind of weird stuff going on in their home. But that's kind of where I am with it uh, as far as that's that's concerned. Yeah, I, I do think that uh, when, we're, when we're little children uh, and we, we have that kind of innocence and that sort of uh, age of wonder where anything's possible and you don't you don't have all the shackles of being an adult and paying bills and going to work and all those horrible sure. things uh when you're a little you're a little kitty and your all it matters is playing outside with your mates and going exploring and going on adventures i think then there is something in us that is unlocked and uh where you have uh, the, the psychic ability the the emotional thing that outbursts can come and manifest in different ways and i think when we get older we lose that ability to uh you know that whatever it is that thing uh it goes away and i think we outgrow we get into our sort of later teenage years it's gone uh, and, and so I, remember I had an interest when i was younger uh in obviously the paranormal and stuff and i was quite young i was maybe nine ten years old my my dad was part of um the, uh, the the British UFO club and and he was into his UFOs von Daniken and all that he had all the books uh, mm-hmm. and so I had a kind of my, my dad would always show me like stuff like that he was reading and stuff like that and I was interested in it but when I got to my teenage years that all went that all switched off and I was like I wasn't interested in that anymore I just want to go out with my mates go down the arcades and stuff but as I got older into my sort of late 20s early 30s it came back that that interest came back and i think that you have this kind of curve where if it's going to come you know if it's always with you and you'll either you'll either rekindle it and, and but when it came back it came back more uh more serious i wanted to do something within the paranormal you know hands-on I, I didn't have know anyone i didn't know anyone at the time to go haunted houses or anything like that i didn't know anyone there was no clubs or groups but i did I was able to do something on my own when it comes to EVP, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I do think there's something there where with younger people, where it's something latent. And I think everyone has it, but emotionally it depends whether you can flick that switch and where, like the Enfield case, Enfield Portergeist case, where Mm. you had Janet and you had uh, all that stuff going on. People say, oh, she made it up. Yeah, I do think near the end where there was a lot of press and a lot of... um, outside interest that children do tend to sort of want things not to end when it's based around them uh but i do think at the beginning that they didn't know what the hell was going on i mean you had many witnesses seeing you had police officers seeing stuff you had uh, the news people come in and seeing stuff so there was something happening in that house so and that not just that house but there are there are many cases of poltergeist uh manifestations where the children seem to be unaware and also also very scared of what's going on. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's something within us. But with with the paranormal in general, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball at you now. Gonna throw you a question 
I right. don't think you can answer, and it will be. But I'm ready. I do. I do. I will look forward to hearing your answer. Uh, we talk about ghosts, okay? We talk about ghosts uh, immediately, thinking, "Oh well, ghost is Granny who doesn't live anymore. She's come back to say hello and give a message right. of something." Okay, that's what the, the the modern day interpretation of a ghost is. Everyone goes out ghost hunting, sure. and they they immediately talk about spirits and the dead. Yeah. Uh, which, no disrespect to anyone, but that infuriates me a little bit. My my my, my mind is a little bit more open than that because I think you don't know what you're interacting with. It can tell you anything. I could be whatever, and I could say, "Well, this is what you want. Therefore, this is what I'll be." It's a little bit like like the Ouija board. You don't really know what you're right. you're interacting with. You just know that you're interacting with something external. So, from your perspective, and everyone's opinion is valid. From from your perspective, what do you think the possibilities of a ghost might be? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that's uh, really a, a good way to look at it. You know, we people come into things being very with kind of speculative mindset, right? Uh-huh. This this phenomenon equals this, uh, and I kind of lean more towards uh, kind of a a fortean mindset more and objective in the sense of like um that uh possibility of what i mentioned before is psychoreactive phenomenon uh my my experience with things over the years has been that it is far stranger things are things don't fit into the boxes things don't tend to like to be categorized um which uh, kind of forces me to retract my previous statement about you know what a poltergeist is, but again we're just we're just kind of guessing at the end of the day yeah. uh, and trying to give it some sort of meaning. But I do tend more and more, and also because of my studies in the field of folklore, which is actually kind of liberating in a way because I've spent so many years uh, as a paranormal investigator, as a UFO investigator, coming from like a a physics nuts and bolts kind of point of view to folklore where they don't care if it's real or not. What matters is what people believe about it. How does the, what, what meaning does the explanation carry? What, what is the purpose of this thing that's happening? Um, so that kind of bridges these gaps and it forces one to look at things in a much broader sense. Um, so maybe that segues nicely into the UFO topic, if, if you would like, in the sense yes, of... I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go yeah, there. Uh, in the sense of, in, in much the same way, we're encountering this phenomenon um, whether or not it is physical, we we do not know. Uh, but we're at a point where we are quite confident that it is real. People are encountering it. People are experiencing it. Whether it's ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, or what. It's a real thing. People are experiencing who it is or what it is remains to be un scene and that so what what i was going to uh interject there with 
is that everything at the moment is about UFOs. We have Indeed. the the whistleblowers. Yeah. We have the the Congress hearings, uh, and it, things are getting quite serious. Now, I, I'm going to start naming names, but we'll just call them whistleblowers because yeah. everyone brings something out different to the right. table. But in general, I'm going to talk in general because that's the most simplest way for me to do it. When we look at the UFO phenomenon now, if we go if we go back. 30 maybe 40 years people were, were laughed at somebody would say oh, i was having my dinner and an alien landed on my roof and i went outside and he looked at me and he flew off in his flying saucer that person would become a laughing stock you you know you're mental or whatever uh and and a lot of people back then wouldn't that they wouldn't want to talk about an experience uh that they had i was fortunate when i was younger to have an experience with my friend and my dad Three lights in the sky, all joined, made a triangle. They all flew off, and one shot up in the sky. Amazing. Lasted about 10 to 15 minutes. And it was a, a, just a weird thing to see. It just was not like a helicopter or a plane. Uh, these were like self-illuminating points of light, which were much brighter than anything in the sky. And they all came from different directions, and they left in the same direction. There were no, It wasn't drones or anything. It was just, it was weird. And after that, I had this bout of weird sleepwalking experiences where my mum even took me to the doctor because she thought I was something wrong with me. So I don't know if it's connected or not, but it was just a bit weird. But when we talk about UFOs, we immediately say uh, it's an alien. It's uh, in, a, in a craft that's come from billions or trillions or light years away from another place, from Alpha Centauri or wherever, or the Pallades or, or wherever. Uh, okay, well, that could be the case. Now, I'm out in the woods, right, and I'm having a walk, and uh, an alien's landed, and he's picking some flowers or whatever, doing his research. When I walk around the corner and I see the alien, I might not be seeing what actually is there. I might be interpreting something that I expect to see. For example, pop culture. Through the years, we're told what really what aliens look like, and if you look at the if you look at the reports of people sighting, and in the years that you know, like nineteen fifties, everything was a a giant robot, and then you had the nineteen seventies where things were like, oh, it was a big lizard man, or it was a big insectoid, and then we have now in the eighties onwards, we have the greys. It's it's almost like pop culture in some way. They're looking at our culture. And the way that we interpret, and they're going, ah, that's what they want us to look like. So we're gonna we're gonna present ourselves to them that way. Uh, so I'm I'm just wondering with this whole and the UFO Congress hearings, and we had all this like 20 years ago with uh, Stephen Greer and the and the you know the, the the what he presented with all those people that had seen stuff. And I'm not saying they didn't because clearly they did see something. And I think it's the what are we seeing and what is the connection with the planet? Uh, all right. So my interpretation is a lot of these UFOs that we're seeing have been here forever. They're, they've already been here. They're, they're not coming from anywhere. They're, they're here. And that we, us, we are the, we're the, we live on the planet. We are, we are here because they, they let us be here. And because we're not a threat to them, they're, we're not of any importance. But, there's either that or the flip side of it is that 
There is an importance, and we're here for a reason. Maybe we're being grazed like cattle. It's and if somebody is so far advanced ahead of you, and that the way they see you is like an ant, or you're a a product for them to do what they do with. So I'm wondering whether the the UFO phenomenon is part closely or part of connected to the planet itself. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a good possibility that that may be the case. And I want to commend you. I just listened to your previous episode and you did a fantastic job of covering the history of the phenomenon, not just to, you know, the 1940s in the U.S., but yeah. throughout history and and the world. And um, that when we look at it that way, we start to see that this UFO thing appears to be maybe just a contemporary version of an old older phenomenon, right? Yeah. Um, folks like Dr. Emily Zarka is a philosophy professor at the University of Arizona, talks about uh, supernatural abductions or encounters with non-human intelligences have been yep. uh, long had a place in mythology, folklore, and culture from jinn to fey to deities, aliens, whatever it is. And it's not just an esoteric encounter. Um, there are many documented cases of human beings interacting with or observing humanoid or human-like beings um, interacting with these strange craft, right? Um, yeah. Some of the best examples that kind of connect these two ideas is Betty and Barney Hill case and Travis Walton. Some of their uh, both famous abduction cases, um, but they both uh, described similar things that can be analogous to um, folklore, folkloric uh, older stories that talk about encounters with with beings. You have missing time. You have lights. You have. Um, just this um, kind of dis, disjointed reality sorts of aspects that come along with it. Um, and again, that it's uh, part of, seems to be part of part of life, right? As, as human as it is alien in a way. Um, but then when we come to this idea, uh, we'll come back to what's going on now in um, in the U.S. with the DOD. We have the all domain anomaly resolution office uh, through the Pentagon. Yeah. We have NASA's doing an independent UAP study. Um, the House of Representatives hearings with the whistleblowers um, and the Disclosure Act. All these things leading towards, again, they have come forth and declared, yes, UFOs are real, but we don't know who is behind them and uh, what it's about. And but it's a matter of concern enough so that it appears to not be uh, the work of a foreign adversary, right? If it was, yeah. we'd all be in very big trouble uh, because of what these things can do. Um, if it's not a foreign adversary, is it ours? There's all these allegations of having uh, now we've got testimony under oath before Congress 
of someone who claims to have not seen them himself, but spoken directly to the people who have. Um, take that for what it's worth, but recognizing that this is a pretty bold claim to be public and under oath in front of Congress with very, very real consequences if, if he's found to be lying about it. So that means that uh, we have collected craft uh, of non-human intelligent origin and very cautious not to declare that as extraterrestrial but non-human intelligence. So then let's look at the ideas behind these speculative uh, assumptions about the origin of UFOs, right? The ET is the go-to. Extraterrestrial is uh, the go-to in this scientific, really sci-fi primed age, right? Um, we, we, as humans, have claimed dominion over everything in the world. So if something is not ours and it is of an intelligent design, then it has to be alien, right? It would have to be. But what if it's not? What if there's another explanation? What if it is more local? Now, mm. we look at the idea of extraterrestrials, right? So my bachelor's is in aerospace operation. Oh, right, yeah. I've studied some things with physics and astrobiology and this um, recognizing that things are very far apart, right? Um, we've collected data. Now we know that all of, pretty much all of the stars that we can see, the majority of them have at least one planet around them. You know, yeah. 20 years ago, we didn't even know for sure that there were other planets outside of our solar system. Now we know there's more than 2,000 of them, and that statistically, yeah, there, there's a lot of planets, right? And also applying the same math, the Drake equation and whatnot, into that whole formula, then that means that statistically, once again, there's a high likelihood of there at least being another intelligent civilization out there at some point in, in history, whether or not they're still around, that may be another question. But it still takes a lot of resources to get here and back, and it takes a long time to do it. With our current uh, material technology, right? We know it's theoretically possible to to bend space. You have the um, Mexican physicist uh, Alcuberi and his his uh, warp drive. The math works. We just don't have the materials to actually make happen. Yeah. So there's all this kind of um, uh, imagination about the possibility and we recognize that it should be there. We just are not in a place where we have a consensus among the scientific community in the world that there is evidence, not even a shred, at this point of verifiable evidence of extraterrestrial life, right? Yeah, I think people want, uh, I think what, what the greater public would need <laughs> is to lead out like Bob the alien 
on, right. on the White House lawn and say, here right. he is, and uh, uh, he's going to have a chat. Right. Uh, I, I think if you have, and I don't discredit these individuals that are doing, coming out and giving their uh, testimonies under oath, because even if they're retired or what, they still got uh, their credibility. Right. Uh, what what is what is uh, interesting to me is uh, that some of the individuals, one of the individuals that have, that has come out is highly decorated, and he's talked of what you've just said right. that we have uh, craft and uh, some form of biomatter or biological uh, stuff. Uh, he doesn't said bodies or anything, but something biological um and now there's this push where they've just somebody in uh, the government has disclosed his medical data to say that he has suffered certain you know, ptsd uh, post-traumatic stress and depression and i think that that is not so much to discredit him but that's to make people who are potentially thinking about coming forward to talk about their experiences to put them off to scare them and that tells me that what these people are talking about is got potential truth to it. It also confirms a lot of what he's saying, right? He's, yeah. he, he was very forthcoming about threats and um, administrative terrorism uh, against him and others. And it's still ongoing. So why, why would it be, yeah, if there wasn't anything to it, why would that happen? Also serious yeah. allegations against his former employers as well um but there's another element to that as well and i i think it it's important to mention um to exercise caution against viewing um psychiatric um any kind of psychiatric um someone needing psychiatric help as as a negative or yeah. something that would discredit um now definitely that's not to say that you know, someone who may be prone to delusion needs to be uh, viewed, or 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 their their story needs to be you know taken a certain way. But but that's not necessarily the case here. You know, he's he's a veteran. You know, we all have we all have PTSD to some degree. Even just boot camp is yeah. traumatic enough. Let alone um, the job itself after deployment um so um, that's a slippery slope to walk when it comes to you know rick trying to um verify someone's credibility or to discredit them um well my question uh is i mean we're, we're approaching near in the end of this episode but i wanted to uh ask you for example Everyone comes out and they say their piece, and the the data is overwhelming that the space brothers, the aliens, whatever, are here. What in what way do you believe that will change our the way that we live today? Do you think it will be a a positive or a negative, or just a people will just go, oh well, they're here, so I'll just carry on. Well, I think in the in the near future, I'm thinking much more pragmatically. I think the, the the best thing that will come from all of this this buzz, I guess, in in this in in the government and all the media, uh, media about it, is the the reduction of the stigma against speaking out about UFOs. 
you mentioned you had an experience yeah. and you were lucky yeah. that you had a positive experience and people with you. Yeah. Um, I too, I was lucky that I had a positive experience and I was always just kind of recognized as the kind of weirdo UFO kid anyway. Um, but there is a serious problem within uh, the military and aviation communities where this stigma exists that um, people will not report it or are afraid to even mention anything about it uh, because of the fear of how it will affect their careers. Um, and it represents a national security problem and an air safety problem from that point of view. So for those cases, uh, they need to they need to be able to get better data. So they need to be able to receive reports and they need to have a good way to investigate them and a good way to investigate. Did I just repeat myself? I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's yeah. Right. So they need a good, uh, a good way to report them, collect them and investigate them. And then we can get a better idea of what's going on. And so, um, the best thing that'll come out of it will be the reduction of the stigma against it, right? UFOs should no longer be in the realm of kooks and quack, and uh, it should be taken seriously in that way. And so I think that's the best thing that will come from all of this. Whether or not we will have a, you know, uh, the full disclosure event that people fantasize about where we're in harmony with our space brothers or whatnot, I, 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 I don't necessarily realistically see that happening in the near future. Um, but I'm a, I'm a Star Trek fan, and I, I like yeah. the idea. I'm hopeful for it. I want them to be aliens, and I want them to be friendly and help us all out. But I also think that it's important for people to uh, recognize that um, we have a lot of problems to deal with here on Earth, and uh, it's irresponsible at best to throw our hands up and just assume that once disclosure happens, then we'll all be saved. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm with you on that. Uh, I kind of come to the same sort of uh conclusion that uh we are we're we're far too messed up at the moment uh the, the the powers that be that run the planet have made such a mess of everything and that uh our whoever they are the the, the space people or the the caretakers of the planet are only showing themselves now to say listen tidy up your act you know you you this isn't your planet tidy it up you don't own the planet uh, you don't, it's like when you say our moon, it's not our moon, it's the moon. We don't own the moon. <laughs> we are simply here for a short term and then we're gone. Wherever we go, wherever we, if we transcend somewhere, that's amazing. Uh, you know, great. But I think that this whole UFO thing, uh, there's always going to be one or two things. There's always going to be a group of people that want to get the technology because they want the power. They want to be the ones to say, yeah, we've got this super weapon now and you can't mess with us. Look at the way the world is right now. It's an absolute chaos, absolute chaos. 
Uh, everyone is fighting everyone. Everyone's trying to push a certain belief on everyone else. And if you don't believe it, you, 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 you're going to get lose your life. It's, it's just mad. It's just absolute madness. And if we can't live together and, uh, you know, let bygones be bygones sort of thing, uh, then I can't see these, whatever they are, coming down and saying, hey, we want to make friends. They're going to, literally, they're going to keep us at arm's length thinking, you guys are crazy. You're like a bunch of mad dogs. And uh, I just, that's the way I see it. And I know it's a kind of a pessimistic, negative way of looking at things, but I'm a very, I'm, I'm a very, all right, I'm very optimistic, but I'm also very realistic. Mm. And I look at things for what they are. And I kind of strip away all the, the, the niceness. Right. The problem is a lot of, a lot of us, and I don't mean this in a, derogative re or or nasty way but a lot of us go through life and we sugar sugarcoat everything mm -hmm. we look at things and think oh it's not that bad when really it is pretty bad uh or it's okay but no it's not okay so i think that when you kind of maximize that and look at it as a whole and look at the ufo phenomenon it's an amazing thing and there is things whizzing around that we don't know what they are and that's exciting like ghosts you know it's exciting on, on the other side of it, I don't think we deserve to know fully what they are at the moment because we haven't earned it, you know? We haven't earned that. And and unfortunately, if you keep electing people who are going to keep making a mess of things, then nothing's really going to change, is it? So, yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, that's only my two cents. I'm not saying that, you know, that's just me giving my opinion. Well, also putting too much faith into governments. Right. Um, I do. I have a lot of respect for um, Avi Loeb, for example. He's the Harvard professor who's launched the yeah. Galileo Project. You know, private uh, scholarly initiative to 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 really tangibly uh, search for for answers and not leaving it in the hands of the government. Right. You know, in the same breath, so many people, you know, talk about the lies you know, how the government lies and they they can't be trusted, but get super excited when they start talking about something they 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 are interested in and agree with, right? Um, that's something to be, um, can't have a, take a reality check for, right? Um, yeah. So I, I really like what you're saying there about this, um, you know, whether or not we deserve to know it, have, have we earned it? Do we even, you know, we're so far, we're so far from, um, a place where we can really, um, interact with this in a good way. And, and I think maybe you are right. If you look at it from kind of a spiritual, maybe a spiritual point of view, a, a kind of a, and, and as a local phenomenon, right? Uh, this idea that whatever it is, uh, maybe, maybe guiding us towards a wake-up call, right? Get us back on track. Like, you better do something about it or we will. And you might not like our version. I think that, uh, you know, most people, uh, and I'm talking on the, the greater population, most people are good people. And they're, all they want to do is be happy, uh, have be able to feed themselves, and have a little bit, maybe a holiday, and just be happy and not have any drama in their life. And that's most per people. But unfortunately, the way that the, the media works, the way that government works, 
it also instills in those people a, a, a form of apathy. And it's not the person's fault. It's not the individual's fault. It's just every day we go, we're programmed. Everything we see, we're told to think a certain way and feel a certain way. And after a while, you become apathetic of everything. And you just think, oh, I just can't be, I can't be bothered with it. I just can't be bothered. Whatever. Aliens, ghosts or whatever. I just, whatever. And, and that's, that's sad. But that's not the person's fault. That's the way that our society is created and that's what, the way our society is run. You go to a different place where they don't have a non-Western country and you might be, have a massive culture shock where people are more, maybe a little, there are some countries where there, there aren't any free thinkers because the, you know, they're so oppressed. But there are other countries out there where you can go and you feel different and uh, people are more open-minded to hearing what, oh, you had an experience, tell me, I'm interested. Uh, over here, you're more likely going to get sniggered, sniggered at or laughed at and made fun of. And that's why a lot of people, if they have something slightly weird happen in their life, they don't talk about it. They just, oh, no, just, I imagined it. It was in my, it was in my imagination. I maybe just, you know, that, that's the kind of mindset. And that's not their fault. That's just the society we live in. But I, I'm thinking on, on a final note, uh, I'm going to ask you, it, say dis disclosure did happen. Right, and it all happened. Everything's done. The you know, got the UFOs fl flying around and landing and all that. Uh, do you think that that would cause a collapse in society as the way it is at the moment? No, I don't. Honestly, just like um, just tapping into, uh, you know, part of what you just mentioned. You know, a lot of people are still, you know, hard to get excited about that kind of thing when you're worried about uh, a roof over your head or food on the table. Right, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, or also using recent world events as examples of how people respond to things, um, and I think it would be a very different scenario than what we than uh, I think what was it the um, it was a poll I, I'm, I can't can't remember the name of the poll at the moment, but it it was. Um, Robertson panel, that's what it was, um, where they assessed that uh, it would cause, you know, societal collapse and, and people's, yeah. uh, yeah, foundational values would be, would shake into their core. Well, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I think if we, if that was done now, objectively, right, people don't, for one thing, one, people, um, a, a recent Gallup poll, I think in 20, 21 in the U.S., 50% of Americans, at least, believe that uh, UFOs represent uh, a extraterrestrial craft and visitation. So they're pretty much primed to believe that it's possible. So it would almost be a non-event in some ways. It kind of, for those who really care, like us, we'd be super excited. But most people, yeah, yeah, all right. Cool. Uh, yeah. What's when's my uh, my Netflix show coming out, and when's that uh, strike going to be over, so that I can get yeah. to my shows? Or you know, with my favorite sports team winning the championship. You know, those are the things that uh, most people tend to seem to care more about. Those of us who really care, really care. Those who yeah. Those who don't don't, and those who really care 
about making sure that uh, everybody knows that they think that it's all lies will also be pretty vocal. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting way to. I think we're gonna we're gonna end this episode now. We're gonna end it on. Uh, we're gonna call this part one because I'm definitely gonna get you back for a uh, a part two because there's a lot more to talk about. But uh, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet at the moment because I know uh, my listeners like a, a nice to the point podcast. So I, I'm definitely gonna get you back, Jason, because there's lots more to talk about when it comes to uh, the UFO UFO phenomenon and uh, in the paranormal in general. So without further ado, I think what I'm going to do is what, what are you, what's your projects at the moment? What, what are you doing? What, what, how can people find you? Yeah. Um, probably the best way is my organization is the society for arcane studies. Um, you can find us on Facebook, all of the socials, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, X, whatever it is now. Um, and all the things, um, I'm also, uh, we, as a group, are also uh, in alliance with the Werewolf Radar podcast, Paranorm Girl podcast, and the International UFO Congress. We are uh, moderators at the annual uh, International UFO Congress. That's a lot of work, buddy. Well, all those links will be with this podcast anyway, so anyone that's uh, interested can click away and, and go and find out more about Jason. But Thanks very much for coming on and, uh, to this episode, Jason. It's been it's been a while. It took a while to get you on, but uh, you were here. And uh, I think that we're going to go for a part two. So uh, listeners, listen out in the near future because there will be more from Jason. Uh, but uh, until the next episode, thanks for listening. And uh, talk to you soon. Thank you.